Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A couple of other items on the Raiders situation before we pivot to the things that occurred yesterday as it relates to trades. We mentioned Antonio Pierce will be the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Champ Kelly. <laughs> I still don't know what the hell I was thinking. And I'm telling you, I my excuse is, oh, don't make excuses. My excuse is my eyes didn't focus. I rolled out of bed and I saw that, and I was just like immediately into hyperdrive to get ready and get up here and articulate thoughts. Champ Kelly will be the interim general manager, and Aiden O'Connell may take over as the starting quarterback. That was the last post I put up yesterday before I focused on full trade deadline mode. Josh McDaniels not answering the question of whether or not I'd make a quarterback change. Jimmy Garoppolo leads the league in interceptions with nine, even though he has missed two and a half games. It is time for Jimmy Garoppolo to take a seat on the bench. If not, pack his stuff and leave as well. I said stuff that time, Miles. Hi, guys. I'm calming down. Okay. That's good. Yes, it is good. Um, now, I, I let me pose this to you. Let me pose oh, this okay. question to you. More I'll pose a question to you. Me. All right, great, if great, Antonio, great, okay. well, I I was, but you didn't take it right away, so I decided to pose a question to you. Okay, if sorry. Antonio <laughs> Pierce turns this mess around, should Mark Davis do what he failed to do last time? Should he give Antonio Pierce a real chance to audition for the job? And if somehow he makes chicken salad out of this mess and they win games... Let's say they finish eight and nine or better. Eh, eight and nine may be a lot to expect, but let's just say they get to eight and nine. Let's say they go five and four over the final nine games. Should Antonio Pierce get a fair shot to audition to be the permanent coach? Or is this just like Basachi where I think all along Mark Davis knew when the season ends, I'm moving on. I think it, it depends on what the result is, right? And how do they look getting there? I mean, that's why there was a part of me that understood that Mark Davis wanted to move on. He just wanted to move on to the wrong people. But I think if it does so happen that they stay in the mix, right? Say they beat the Chiefs or something and, you know, then they 
are probably not going to like run the buses around the freaking stadium like some uh, former coach did. But I think that there's a, a world in which Antonio Pierce, yeah, should get a fair shot at becoming the next head coach there. But I mean, I, I don't know that there's all that much you can do at this point when you have a team that is not running any successful scheme offensively or defensively. I mean, they've done some things that are a little bit better defensively, but again, they gave up a ton of points to Tyler Tyson Bajant and the Chicago Bears. And yeah, turnovers factored into that, but still, I just, I think that this is not a great hand to be dealt as an interim anything, right? So yeah, you can say, all right, Pierce and Champ Kelly, let's see what you got. Aiden O'Connell, let's see what you got. But these, none of them are being put in a great position here, uh, it, basically because there's only so much you can change once you are halfway through the season. Well, that's right. And look, I mean, it's an opportunity. I don't know how good of an opportunity it is because you are kind of operating with one hand tied behind your back when you walk into this mess and you're asked to clean At it least. up, which makes what Rich Basaccia did last year even more impressive. If Antonio, or two years ago, two years ago, if Antonio Pierce can pull it off, I just hope he gets fairly considered. I hope that what he does between now and the end of the season is something that would turn around Mark Davis's presumption that he's going to go find somebody else. And we know what these owners do. They have a plan already of who they want to go hire. That's one of the big flaws with the Rooney rule. The owners decide who they want, and everything else is just, oh, I have to do this before I can hire the guy I want. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, I have to do this. Okay, I'll do that. I'm still going to hire the guy I want. And usually when an owner decides to fire someone, they have an idea either at the time or not long after that who they want. You know, we can say, oh, they get half the season to consider their options. Yeah, how much time is Mark Davis going to take? He's going to know who he wants by the end of the week if he doesn't already know who he wants. And that would be a mistake as well. Take your time. Take full advantage of this half of a season to explore your options. Have an open mind. And maybe the best candidate to run the team moving forward is the guy who finished the job, depending upon how they do. Because it was the best candidate two years ago when the guy finished the job under Horrendous circumstances. Okay, one other point, too, because I saw some feedback that, well, well why, why are you saying this about Mark Davis when you're not saying about the Bears and you're not saying it about the, the Chargers, you're not saying it about the Cardinals? Well, at some time or another, I've said it. I'm not saying that Mark Davis is the only one who should go. I'm just saying Mark Davis should go. There are others that should go. But for now, the focus, because he's done something that has put him at the top of our stack, is Mark Davis. There are many dysfunctional owners that their fans would be better off if they sold. We can only knock them off one at a time. Snyder, gone. Davis, gone. Then, you know, let's clean this place up. Let's get 32 competent owners. How can we not find 32 people competent enough to own NFL teams in a nation of 280 million? Are there not 32 people? Apparently there aren't. Apparently there aren't. All right, speaking of teams that had an owner who was not competent, and we don't yet know whether or not the new owner is, but at least he's not the old owner, the Commanders, a little bit of a fire sale yesterday. Going into Tuesday, Miles, the thought was they'll trade Montez Sweat or Chase Young. Well, they traded both. I had heard the Bears were linked to Young. The Falcons wanted Sweat for a third-round pick. What happened is... The Bears get sweat 
for a second-round pick. So at least we know the Bears were looking at Washington pass rushers, even though it didn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not like this is a win-now move. This is a let's-get-a-guy-and-try-to-sign-him before free agency move. And then Young ends up going to the 49ers for a third-round pick. Um, I'm surprised it happened because my understanding was there was a lot of consternation and disagreement in the organization about what to do. Ron, and, and I think the, the, the big takeaway from the trades yesterday of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, it's over for Ron Rivera. And it's very likely over for everybody else in there. To no surprise, when an owner buys a team, owner wants to put his or her own people in there. That's just the way it works. And mm-hmm. you can delude yourself into thinking you have a chance. And maybe if things go well, you do. But they're not going well. So that's that, Ron Rivera. That's that, Martin Mayhew. That's that, Jason Wright. I think the reset button is going to be pressed as soon as the season ends. And Josh Harris is going to put into place whoever he already knows. Just like with Mark Davis. Mark Davis at some point is going to know who he wants. Josh Harris already knows presumably who he wants to run the team. He may already know who he wants to be his head coach. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, Miles, I I think we have some clarity now on the future of the commanders, and the future is more change. Yeah, and I think that we kind of knew that coming into the season, and in a way it's unfortunate for Ron Rivera because he's been through this in some form or fashion before, right? When David Tepper comes in and he buys the Carolina Panthers, and it's kind of like, well, you got this year, let's see what you do, and things don't really go very well. And then Ron Rivera gets fired. So this is where this has been heading. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, right? It's not like the commanders have been all that good since Ron Rivera has been there. But I do think when you get rid of two really good, two decently good, let's call it, I don't know, edge rushers, right? Two pillars of the defense that are the edge rushers and Chase Young and Sweat. Like that does signal what your intentions are. And I think that it makes complete sense. It at least has a direction, you know? And I think if we look at what Washington is doing versus what, let's say, Chicago is doing, you know, the, the, the Bears, mm, I don't really understand what the direction is there, right? But Washington, yeah, like, we're going to hit the reset button. We're going to do some things differently in the future. Right now, go out there, do what you do. You know, maybe you do start winning games. Maybe we have a change of heart here. But through the first eight weeks of the season, it doesn't look very good. And so that's why we are going to start moving in a direction. And I think at least if you're moving in a direction, that signals something good about new ownership. And, and we'll see. We'll see what Josh Harris becomes. I mean, that is the, oh, by the way, when you get rid of Dan Snyder, just like it would be the end result if you get rid of Mark Davis. Or if one of these other owners that isn't fit to own a team sells to someone else. You don't know because there's only one qualification to buy an NFL team. There's one. There's one. Have enough money to be the high bidder. Mm -hmm. That's it. If you're the high bidder, you're in. There's no football IQ test. There's no are you a nice person or are you a jerk test. There's nothing. There's nothing. The presumption is... If you are in a position to put the best and most lucrative package together, you must be doing something right. You can join the club. Come on in with all your money, and we'll figure out later whether or not you're somebody that we actually want to spend time with. It is, to me, incredible that that's how it's done. But that's how it's done. And, you know, the fact that they're all bound together under the shield 
that that prevents what could be chaos where you have owners selling to whoever they want, whenever they want, however they want, whatever percentage they want, bring in anyone we want. It's my business. I'll do whatever I want. So anyway, we'll see what happens with Josh Harris. Now, now, since we're in the neighborhood of this conversation of what seems to be one big step toward major change, I heard mm-hmm. something over the weekend, and I've been trying to think of the best way and the best time to talk about it. And it's not a report. Look, when you're plugged into everything that's happening and you talk to a lot of different people, you hear things. And you hear certain things that make you say, whoa, hmm, that's interesting. And what I heard over the weekend from someone I know and someone I trust that made me say, whoa, that's interesting, is the possibility that the end result for the commanders is a trade with the Patriots for Bill Belichick. And it makes sense when you think about it. And it puts in a new context that leak, that strange Sunday morning splash report about Bill Belichick in the offseason signed a lucrative multi-year contract with the Patriots. My first thought was that's Belichick's camp getting out the idea this guy isn't going to be fired during the season. The other explanation for it is it's the Patriots getting out the idea as owners throughout the league begin the process of figuring out who they want to hire next year, it's a reminder you're not just going to be able to go hire Bill Belichick. If you want him, you got to deal with us. We have his contractual rights for multiple years. We're not going to fire him. We're going to wait for somebody to call us up and offer us something for him. We're going to get back what we gave the Jets to get him. We're going to get value for this asset, even if we are done with it. We're not just going to roll it out to the curb. We're going to make you knock on the door and buy it from us. So that made sense. And when you throw in yesterday's developments, one, the commanders clearly in were preparing for the future without our current key employees mode. And two, Josh McDaniels is available again. All the more reason to go get Bill. Because you can bring Josh McDaniels in as the offensive coordinator because nobody's going to hire him to be a head coach next year. The band's back together. We're off to Washington. And here we go with Belichick and McDaniels. Hell, maybe they'll bring back Matt Patricia. And off they go with the Patriot way. And hopefully if Josh Harris does it, he'll realize you got to give it a few years. You can't fire him halfway through the second year. You got to give Bill some time to get the right pieces in place, to get the right structures in place, the right procedures, everything he needs. I remember there was a, a, a thing a few years ago about him maybe leaving the Patriots with the whole Garoppolo-Brady Palace intrigue when Seth Wickersham had that long story about it. And Gary Myers, I think, threw out this idea that Bill Belichick wants to go coach the Giants. Somebody told me it's going to take him five years if he goes somewhere else. It's going to take him five years to get everything to where it is with the Patriots. So he has to ask himself, do I want to put in the five years? And Josh Harris has to ask himself, are you willing to put in the five years? Because that's the cautionary tale from McDaniels with the Raiders. You can't be impatient with Belichick. you got to give him the time to do whatever it is he's trying to do. So, Miles, that's what I heard. It's not a report, but it's definitely something that is making its way around the grapevine that is the National Football League network of insiders and employees and coaches and others who talk about stuff. That's something they're talking about. Yeah, let's call it something to keep an eye on as we progress toward January. Just the the potential of something like that to happen. I mean, I think at this point, if the Patriots continue to look like they've looked throughout the entire season, it's hard to believe 
that Bill Belichick will be there in 2024. I think we all kind of understand that. And I think, you know, you're, you're connecting some dots, you know, that make a little bit of sense here. I, I, I don't think that we're talking about something that is clearly just out of the realm of possibility that Bill Belichick could get traded to a team that will have a head coach vacancy. Now, the, the thing that I guess I would quibble with, and it's not necessarily with you, but it's with the whole idea of five years to get things to where you want them to be. You don't have that much time anymore. You don't need that much time anymore. Look at the way that things go around the National Football League, right? Look at the Detroit Lions. This is year three of that regime, okay? And the Lions were as devoid of talent of any team that we can look at throughout the NFL. And they came in, they had a first year that was really tough. But, you know, toward the end of the year, we could see, look, they play really hard for Dan Campbell, all right? They're not necessarily getting the wins, but we see some bright spots. Last year, they had a tough start to the season, but as they go along, hey, they're really starting to build something. You know, they go, what, 8-1, and 8-2 over their last 10. They beat the Green Bay Packers to keep them out of the postseason in Week 18. Now, this year, they come out, and they've looked great. They've looked like a real contender. It's three years now because that's what it takes, I believe. And that's what it should take. Because if you look at rookie contracts, they're four years. So why in the world are we talking about a five-year plan? There's no such thing as a five-year plan anymore. And if it takes you five years, and if you think it's going to take five years to get to where you want this thing to be, then you should not be in this business right now because that it's not going to work. Let me be more clear. Five years for Belichick to get things where he wants them to be as it relates to the operation of the team. Not to be successful. I agree with you. You don't have five years. It's not the John McKay to the Buccaneers five-year plan anymore. That was the last time I heard the term five-year plan, 1976, when the Buccaneers hired John McKay. You know what? By six, seven, eight, nine, by year four, they were in the NFC Championship game. But Belichick, to get to the point where he has everything he wants. You know, he wants things a certain way. Again, The Patriot way and all those rings allows you to be somewhat demanding. He may have to adjust. You know, you see people who are good coaches, good communicators, be flexible. They can find a way to work with the people they have. Instead of saying, we're going to do it my way, and if you don't fit my way, get out of the way, the best coaches say, what do I have here? What do I have in my locker room? What can I reasonably do to bring in maybe some other people who would fit what we're trying to do? And how do I coach this group up to be the best players they can be? I'll worry about next year when next year comes. For this year, I got this group. I'm going to coach them up the best way I can. I don't know that Bill Belichick has that flexibility. So I'm not saying this is a good idea for Josh Harris. I don't know that I would do it. I agree with you. Like, if you're again, if we learn nothing from Mark Davis's misadventures with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler... If you're going to pin your hopes to the Patriot way, you had better be patient. And if you're not willing to be patient, you need to hire somebody else. And you mentioned the Lions. Hell, they were 1-6 last year. And it was starting to feel like we were starting to get that whole vote of confidence vibe that maybe this is going off the rails and it turned around. But, yeah, you can't be... I want this my way. This has to be my way. We want my people, my things, my systems, my this, my that. At some point, you got to say, what do we have to work with? And how can I best serve those that I'm working with 
to take this team and turn it into what it needs to be. And I don't know that Bill Belichick has that mindset. Bill Belichick, everything's got that military vibe to it. He's the commander. What he says goes. Well, the morale of the troops may not be what it needs to be if that's the attitude you're going to have. It's a different league now than it was even, let's say, like seven years ago, right? This is one of the things that I I admire about Pete Carroll is that Pete Carroll was coaching teams in the 90s. And look how successful he's been over the course of his tenure with Seattle, right? There is a ton of adaptability and adjustment that has to go into something like that to be successful, you know, at the top of the college level at USC in the 2000s. And then to now come to Seattle and, you know, start that at the beginning of last decade and continue to have a winning program and a winning franchise for years and years and years. Seahawks have been relevant basically in every single season, pretty much that Pete Carroll has been there with the exception of maybe one or two. Right. So that's the kind of thing where I look at it and I say, well, what's Pete Carroll doing? Right. And the Pete Carroll vibe is extraordinarily different the Bill Belichick vibe and what he does and how he's operated. And that's fine. There's more than one way to get things done in the NFL. That's one of the things I love about the league. But I just, I, I think in what we're doing today, and I don't mean this to be a disrespectful comment to Bill Belichick because nobody's had more success, but look at the way that team's been constructed going back to 2018, 2019, and look where we are today. I, this is just, it's not been working for a while with Bill Belichick, right? I mean, they won in 2019, the division, and they got to the playoffs, but they didn't look good once they got there. They didn't really look good trying to do it. So this is not just a this year thing. It's going back a few years. And can we really say that this is going to work in the future? He's earned the benefit of the, of the doubt to a point, but also when we look at it over the last few years, man, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know. Benefit of the doubt's been burned up the last two years. And well, I got one last thing to say. I have a caveat on this whole what's Josh Harris going to do. Magic Johnson has a very potent voice in this Washington ownership group. And I assume Josh Harris knew going in when he sold a piece of it to Magic Johnson, who has a platform that he's willing to use, who has influence that he's willing to wield. He better be on board with this or it's not going to work. And, you know, if... If Magic Johnson walks up, to, walks up to Bill Belichick with that big smile and Belichick does the grumble, 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 yeah, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. So Magic had better be on board with this if this is what Josh Harris is thinking about doing. Let's take a break. When we return, we know what the Vikings will be doing post-Cousins for 2023. And it creates a scenario where it may not be post-Cousins in 2024. We'll discuss that next on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Well, the Vikings have made their decision about what they will be doing without Kirk Cousins in the lineup for the rest of the year. He has a torn Achilles tendon. The options on the roster are Jaron Hall, Nick Mullins, and Sean Mannion. Mannion's on the practice squad. The Vikings yesterday traded for Josh Dobbs, fourth-round pick of the Steelers in 2017. He has been with seven different teams. He has started... 10 out of 10 games over the last 10 weeks of NFL regular season. That's an amazing stat to me. He went his entire career, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and all of 22 except the last two weeks without starting. He started the last two weeks of 2022 with the Titans. He started the first eight weeks of 2023 with the Cardinals, who acquired him in a trade just before the start of the season with the Browns. And now, deadline day, traded to the Vikings, where his starting streak will end this weekend because Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, said yesterday Jaron Hall gets the start against the Falcons. Dobbs will play a supportive role, whatever that means. But they're trying to get Dobbs ready. They're trying to see what they have in Dobbs. For now, they're going to go with Jaron Hall. Dobbs gives them something in the event he can pick up the offense quickly, and he is a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to pick up this offense. Well, he is one. That was his major at Tennessee. Great guy, great personality, great story of perseverance and resilience with all these movements he's made over his career. Traded here, traded there, traded everywhere. Now traded to the Vikings after starting eight games for a team that really isn't a powerhouse. They weren't 1-7 because of him. They might have been 0-8 without him. And now he gets to go to Minnesota with a team that is on the fringes of playoff contention. If they can stabilize the quarterback position, they can sneak into the postseason. And they're planning on getting Justin Jefferson back, you know, sooner than later. So hopefully that hamstring heals up and he can be the best receiver in the league that we know that he can be and be that really good target for Dobbs once he's up to speed. But yeah, I think in the options that the Minnesota Vikings had, this really was a pretty good one. You know, you're not giving up too much for the future. A sixth round pick is something that I think if you're getting a starting quarterback for half a season, yeah, you give that up pretty much every time in order to do it. So that's one thing that I think that, you know, makes this a pretty good deal. The other is that it's not entirely an unfamiliar scheme that he's going into. It's certainly not the same thing that he would have been doing in Arizona that he's now going to be doing uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, but 
that Kevin Stefanski, Drew Petzing offense that he went to with Arizona is similar in some ways to the Kevin O'Connell style of West Coast offense that he's been running there with Minnesota. So I think that there are some things that translate and you know, being a rocket scientist, I think he's going to be able to pick that up quickly enough. If he could pick up the Titans scheme well enough last year in order to start games, I think he'll be all right getting in there to Minnesota and being a guy who can understand how to get things done offensively. So it's not like he's a really bad quarterback. You know, he acquitted himself well, I thought, with Arizona, despite the fact that they've only won one game so far. It's just, there's no real good option when your starting quarterback goes down. But to do this, I think, is something that could keep the Vikings on the fringes of that playoff race for the rest of the season. They were looking at every option. Kevin O'Connell made the comment on Monday, you wouldn't believe some of the things that have come through my cell phone over the past 24 hours. And they were looking at long-term solutions, short-term solutions, anything and everything they could potentially do to try to stabilize that position. And for now, they're going to entrust it to fifth-round rookie from BYU who stands exactly six feet tall, Jaron Hall. That's what O'Connell said yesterday. He will start against the Falcons, and we'll just see where it goes from there. There was something O'Connell said Monday, too, that I found very inspiring, and I found it refreshing. He views this kind of sudden adversity as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to prove what you can do. And, you know, from time to time in our lives, we find ourselves in one of those moments where we're like, man, oh, man, this isn't good. There is some part of you that recognizes, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a chance for me to prove myself. This is a hmm. chance for me to show to myself and to anyone else who's paying attention that I'm not just going to hang my head. I'm not just going to say, woe is me. I'm not just going to say, well, the season's over. Let's start thinking about next year. I'm going to say, okay, okay, let's see what we can do here. And O'Connell exudes that. And that's going to be something, and this is part of leadership. That's something that's going to infect the locker room. Everybody's got to work a little bit harder. Everybody's got to dig a little bit deeper. Everybody's got to carry something a little bit heavier without Kirk Cousins and let's just go see what we can do. People are already writing them off. Sims, it's over. Devin McCourty, it's over. Fine, it's over. Well, maybe it's not over. And we're going to go out and we're going to try to prove to you that maybe it isn't. Now, it also may not be over between the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Quick background. Last year of his contract, as we've been reporting for months, there's no way the Vikings can franchise tag him. He has a straight shot to the open market. He can go anywhere he wants after the season. And in some way for the Vikings, it's not a bad thing that he's not playing the rest of the year because there's not going to be the same land rush there would have been if this guy had had and finished a great season. He was having a great season. Now he doesn't finish the season. He's got the torn Achilles. There's not going to be that same, oh, we need Kirk Cousins mode out there. So here's O'Connell from yesterday saying some things about Cousins that seem to suggest when the dust settles on all this, Cousins is going to be back next year with the Vikings. Have a listen to what O'Connell said yesterday. Kirk Cousins is, is going to be healthy again. Uh, I know he's going to be a free agent after this season, but uh, Kirk knows how I feel about him, and, and that'll be something that, you know, uh, you know, will hopefully work itself out. Well, you guys know how I feel about Kirk. Uh, Kirk knows how I feel about Kirk. Um, I, I, I think he was playing as well as anybody in the National Football League. Um. Look, 
O'Connell and Cousins had reached a point where it was clicking, it was working, and I think mm-hmm. Cousins knows it, O'Connell knows it, and if Cousins goes somewhere else, not only is he starting over post-Achilles tendon surgery, he's starting over with you know, new environment, new coach, even if it's Kyle Shanahan, it's a different situation than that they had been together you know, 10 years ago in Washington. Yep. So I, it, it just feels like the Vikings have their answer for next year. They got a lot of questions that need to be answered this year, but I think they have their answer for next year. They're going to work something out with Cousins, and he'll be the quarterback in 24. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that. And look, I mean, the way that Kirk Cousins was playing this year, I understand it. I mean, he already 18 touchdown passes, right? And in many of those games, he's been playing without Justin Jefferson or without a completely healthy Justin Jefferson. You see the connection that he was starting to develop with Jordan Addison. You see what he's done with K.J. Osborne. You see the connection he's got with T.J. Hawkinson. And oh, yeah, by the way, Justin Jefferson, even if he's not out there, he still looms over this thing as one of the best receivers in the league. So they're building something there with Minnesota. And I understand exactly why Kevin O'Connell feels the way he does about Kirk Cousins. Now, it's not easy to come back from an Achilles injury, especially with Kirk Cousins' age, right? He's 35. He's going to be 36 next August. And I understand that we're looking at what Aaron Rodgers is doing, and he's just kind of like a medical marvel right now. And I don't really understand what the hell's going on there. But that doesn't mean that, you know, some dolphin sounds and whatever and crystals are going to like be the thing that also heals Kirk Cousins Achilles that quickly. I I, I don't get it, but I'm not saying he's going to be great or he's going to be bad. I'm just saying that this is a tough thing to come back from, especially at his age. So we'll see what happens. I, I hope for the best for him. I do. I don't want to see anybody's career end because of an injury like this, but I think you're right in that it, the tea leaves right now are lining up in such a way that Kirk Cousins will be back with the Minnesota Vikings for 2024. Miles Simmons making the Columbia Alumni Association very proud. He's 35 now, and next he'll be 36. Well done. I just I, I do that to myself from time hey, to time, so I'll give it to I, you a little bit. I, 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 I can add one. I can do that. I haven't taken a math class in a hell of a long time, but I can add one to the age. You know, I can do that. All right. Speaking of numbers, the odds have moved for the Vikings, obviously, post-Kirk Cousins, and also currently with the addition of Josh Dobbs, it actually didn't help. The the markets did not like what the Vikings did, but they were inching toward lower and lower odds to make the playoffs before Week 8, dropped to plus 230, and now plus 260 after bringing in Josh Dobbs and announcing that Jaron Hall, who got no vote of confidence from Kevin O'Connell after the game on Sunday, wouldn't commit to Jaron Hall being the starter for week nine against the Falcons. Monday wouldn't commit to him. Tuesday, he's our guy. And and who knows? Who knows? I went back and watched his BYU highlights, and you can't really tell because it's two different levels of talent. And look at what BYU quarterback Zach Wilson did in the NFL. But Jaron Hall's got mobility. Jaron Hall's made some throws that make you say, wow. And I know that's why they call them highlights, but we'll see what Jaron Hall can do against NFL caliber competition. Nobody thought Brock Purdy was going to get it done last year. We'll see what Jaron Hall can do with Kevin O'Connell being basically the puppet master. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. He's the guy that's going to coach Jaron Hall up. This is part of that challenge, that opportunity, right? Who knows? Who knows? It'd be different if the Vikings had Mike Zimmer as the head coach. The head coach is the quarterback whisperer in the organization. 
And this is Kevin O'Connell's opportunity to continue the development of a guy that they liked enough to draft. They liked enough to make him the number two quarterback. They like enough to make him the starter now. And uh, I don't know how it's going to end. Maybe the odds makers are right, Miles, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it will be. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? We all get to see it play out. I mean, nobody could have predicted what Brock Purdy did, as you said, last year. We'll see if Hall can make us think twice about thinking that Josh Dobbs should be the starter. Hell, Josh Dobbs could come in on the second drive like Baker Mayfield did last year against the Raiders on Thursday night at SoFi Stadium and never give the job back. So we don't know what's going to happen. That's part of what makes this game so beautiful. All right, and uh, by the way, we showed you the odds earlier of the Vikings' chances to make the playoffs and how they've changed. Those odds come from DraftKings Sportsbook. And don't forget, this season on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. More trade deadline reaction when PFT Live continues right after this. There's a look at some of the trades that happened yesterday. Some were expected, some were not. Russell Douglas, former West Virginia great, traded from the Packers to the Bills. He has been a very good presence in that defense over the past few years. Donovan Peoples-Jones goes to the Lions. Ezra Cleveland, one of the moves the Vikings made yesterday. Now that Dalton Risner has really stepped up, they could move on from him. We talked about Young and Sweat. Let's focus on why the 49ers did what they did. I saw Randy Gregory a couple of times flash in that Monday night game against the Vikings where it was like, oh, here he comes. They're going to have Nick Bosa and they're going to have Randy Gregory and they've got Javon Hargrave and they've got Eric Armstead. And they go out and they give up a third round pick for Chase Young. We were talking about this during a break. It doesn't feel like a move made with the goal of giving him a market level contract and keeping him from being a free agent or even using the franchise tag. This feels like an Emmanuel Sanders rental. We saw that in 2019. They gave up a third round pick to bring him in. He left as a free agent after 2019. They're willing to give up a third round pick for a guy that they think can be a difference maker down the stretch this year and only this year. Well, and then if he is that difference maker and Chase Young is playing for a contract right now and has been playing as well as he has since he was a rookie, then perhaps Chase Young gets a big contract in free agency and they potentially could get a third round pick and from a compensatory standpoint in return. So effectively, it's like, well, you, you trade a three, you get back a three eventually, and perhaps he makes a big difference for you in a championship run. It's, it's good business if you think of it that way. Now, if he doesn't come in and he's an impact player, then that kind of negates the whole thing. But this is something that I, I think about with the 49ers. They kind of double down on what it is that they do well. And to an extent, they did this last year, Mike, with Christian McCaffrey, right? They had a good running game. They, they did. And it's going to be good with Kyle Shanahan regardless. But then you bring in Christian McCaffrey, and he is one of the best, if not the best running backs in football, right? So they had a strength. They made it even better. You have a strength on your defensive line. Nick Bosa's not necessarily been playing like Nick Bosa because he wasn't there in training camp. But you bring in a guy like Chase Young, and maybe that can help elevate this defense to a level that it can look as dominant as we thought, as, or as we think it should be going down the stretch here coming off their bye. 
Chase Young was the defensive rookie of the year in 2020. He suffered a serious knee injury in November of 21, and it took him a long time, as it often does. Adrian Peterson warped our expectations when it comes to a torn ACL. For some guys, it takes well over a year to get back to form. Young seems to be back to form, and you're right, Miles, holding together this pass rush, improving it, getting him to to chase the payday that likely will come somewhere else. Having a rotation like the Eagles have, that's part of this. The Eagles like to have six, seven, eight guys that they can cycle through, and maybe the 49ers are realizing we need more bodies, we need more because their current starting lineup isn't getting home as often as it needs to. So clearly an effort by the 49ers to improve the defense during the bye week as they get ready to go to Jacksonville and and stop a three-game losing streak. Going to Jacksonville used to be a pretty good way to get right if you were wrong. Going to Jacksonville now is stepping into a hornet's nest, and the Jaguars are 6-2, and two, and they're on their bye week. This is a big game for the 49ers, and I think this move is an acknowledgement that they need to do something to improve that defense. The offense will be fine because of Kyle Shanahan, and I know people are nervous about Brock Purdy, and he's looked mortal the past few weeks, but I think they'll be fine. They get Debo back, they'll be fine. They need something on that defense, and and Chase Young may provide it. And look, I, I like bold moves this is a bold move a third round pick you get a good player for a third round pick they're giving up the opportunity to get a pretty good player for a guy now that could help them finally get that thing that's been so elusive for Shanahan they got to the Super Bowl once they were knocking on the door two other times after they beat the Cowboys it looked like this is the year they were going to do it three losses later they got to do something and it looks like this is you know clearly a step toward getting things right getting the defense where it needs to be and getting to the Super Bowl and winning it for the first time since the 1994 season. Yeah, and look, I I think that it's also a little bit fun being from Ohio that you get Chase Young and Nick Bosa back on the same defensive line again. Well, I mean, those two dudes played together as Buckeyes. You know, they won a lot of games together. They terrorized a lot of quarterbacks together. So we'll see what they can do now that they're paired up with each other in the league. The other side of this, though, the Bears going after Montez Sweat, that's not a win-now move because the Bears aren't going to win now. That is kind of like what they did with Chase Claypool last year. Yes. You bring him in, and you think that this guy's going to be a foundational piece, and they found out that he's not. With Sweat, I don't know, maybe they think we flipped the same coin twice, it's going to come up heads for us one of these times. They're basically doing what they did with Chase Claypool. The difference is... Sweat is due to hit the market after this year. Sweat's going to be a free agent after this year. They got to make quick decisions. They can't give him a trial period like they did with Chase Claypool. So they better hope they guessed right. When I heard over the weekend they were talking about going after Chase Young and there were rumors linking them to Young, well, right team, wrong player. And maybe they tried to get Young. At the end of the day, they decided to go with Sweat instead. Second rounder for Sweat, guy that doesn't have that, that torn ACL on his medical resume. Regardless, this isn't a move to win now, obviously. This is a guy that they think they can take advantage of the rest of the season and the exclusive negotiating window they'll have after the season to work out a deal to keep him around. If they don't sign a deal with him, it was clearly a wasted pick. And I'd like to think that there's already some sort of an understanding about the deal he's going to get. I don't like these trades that teams do, Miles, where... 
They do the trade with a guy that needs a contract, and they don't do the contract on the way in the door. You give the guy all the leverage at that point. He can put his thumb on the scale now because what are you going to do? You're going to, you know, oh, you're going to franchise tag me? Fine. That's your only option because you gave up a significant draft pick to get me. Right. And, and I, the thing that kind of baffles me about this, Mike, is I, I, you did this already with Chase Claypool, as you just said. I mean, you already have given up a premium pick and wasted it, completely wasted it on a player in a trade. Now, the Bears are not very good, all right? That pick in round two is probably going to be pretty high. So you need to be damn sure that you are getting a guy that you can not only count on on the field, but that is going to be a part of your organization going forward. And so it's not like a three where you can sort of say, all right, we're recycling it if he goes somewhere else and we get that compensatory pick back. There's no two round two comp picks, all right? So you've already at least given up something there if he goes and he signs elsewhere if you don't franchise him. And are we sure that the decision makers now are going to be the decision makers in February for the Chicago Bears? Because if not, then that's another thing that we're kind of looking at this and we're saying, what are we thinking here? So I think that there's a lot going into this for the Bears. And that's part of why I just, I don't like the trade because I don't know that that's something I really want to do for my future. One other thing to remember about the whole comp pick analysis, you know, if the Bears are planning to spend significantly in free agency this year and to, and to sign more guys than they lose. They don't get any comp picks. It doesn't right. matter that Montez Sweat walks away. If you go out there and you get a bunch of guys and you get more than you lose, forget about it. You're not getting anything. Right. But I think worst-case scenario, they would franchise tag him. Best-case scenario is they should have had a deal done with him on the way through the door. Your yes. leverage diminishes the moment you give up that second-round pick for him. Better to do the deal before you make the trade. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll take a look at some of the best catches from week eight of the 2023 regular season when PFT Live continues right after this. Power rankings time. Week nine. Presented by our friends at Toyota and the Philadelphia Eagles have flown to the top of the stack. And I didn't do it just because they sent me the throwback hoodie. They were in position to take over if number one faltered and number one faltered. The Chiefs lost, so the Eagles slip into number one. Jaguars move up to number two. Dolphins move up to number three, and the Ravens have jumped up to number four. I put them ahead of the Chiefs, and the 49ers fell one spot. A lot of Dolphins fans salty. They think their team should be number two. Hey, the Jaguars have just kind of quietly been kicking ass and taking names, winning five in a row. They're 6-2 and two at the bye. I'm sorry, Miami fans. The best team in Florida right now continues to reside in Duval County, Miles. I don't disagree with you on that. I think the Jaguars have been very good. I think that their stretch going to London, winning two games over there, coming back across the pond, winning, going then up to Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers as they did in poor weather conditions up there, that's very tough to do for any team. 
and we can say that going back years and years and years, you know, d- depending on whatever has been going on there. I mean, Mike Tomlin just doesn't lose that many home games, it feels like. So I think that what they've done heading into their bye has been impressive. I don't mind them at two. What I mind on this list, Mike, why are the Lions exactly at number eight? Because, I mean, yeah, they had a clunker, but, I mean, are they not six, one of the best teams? 38 to six. 38 to six. Very uh, recently. I don't know. Yeah, they're one of the best teams, but they lost 38 to six. Okay. Uh, Hey, hey, they have a very easy schedule. If they keep winning, they will climb. They could likely be the one seed in the NFC when you consider the stack of cards that they're going to pull between now and week 17 when they go to Dallas are all wins. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to keep climbing. But 38 to six, the memory of it is still too fresh. I have people saying, oh, well, the Cowboys are. They lost 42 to 10. Well, that was three weeks ago. There have been a couple of games since then. They've won them both. The Li- and look, the Lions, uh, hey, the Lions weren't exactly impressive on Monday night. I mean, they gave the Raiders some opportunities. They let the Raiders hang around. It was 16-14, about 10 minutes left in the third quarter after that hideous pick six from Jared Goff. Poor decision. And I'm telling you, Goff's going to be the reason. When it ends, like... The Lions can be like, oh, well, we love Goff because he's taken them to a place they haven't been in a long time. Once the gas runs out of the car at some point in January, they're going to turn on Goff quickly. Because when it ends this year, it's going to be because of something he I'm, – I'm, I'm putting my name to it now. When it ends this year for the Lions, it's going to be because of something Goff did or failed to do. He's the weak link in that offense. Now, shout out to the 2018 Rams. I got one of these footballs behind me with Jared Goff and Marcus Peters combining there for that interesting play that happened on Monday night. It's funny, you know, I was talking to somebody during the game and it's like, well, earlier on in that game, Jared Goff was making decisions with dead plays, right? Where he's throwing the ball away. And I'm like, that's a good play. When the play is dead, the play is dead. And that play didn't necessarily look like it was dead, but Marcus Peters was going against Jared Goff enough to understand what the tendencies of his eyes are in practice there between 2018, 2019. So he baited him into the pick and Marcus Peters knows how to turn those things into touchdowns. It's more than that as well. We broke it down yesterday. Chris Sims said that play itself is a staple of the West Coast offense. He broke down what the options were. There was an an in route that wasn't there. He didn't like it, so he moved to another one. He didn't like it. And the last ditch was the, the throw to the flat. And you better be damn sure that throws there or you get rid of it. And Peters, who knows a thing or two about defending a West Coast offense, knew it was coming, apparently, jumped the route, and off he went. Otherwise, I mean, that game should have been 42-13. to 13. It shouldn't have been 26-14. to 14. It shouldn't have felt like the Raiders still had a chance, and it was the defense of the Lions that really slammed the door on any chance the Raiders had to make it a game. The offense of the Lions, yes, Jameer Gibbs was great, but I'm just saying they're not quite firing on all cylinders yet, but they don't have to until Week 17 because they should win every single game between now and then, and they will climb higher and higher and higher in the PFT Power Rankings. The Bengals have moved up seven spots after Mm -hmm. their 14-point win over the 49ers. The Bengals are back, because the only issue with the Bengals, well, there were two issues. Number one, Joe Burrow was injured, and number two, the offense isn't all that creative. But when Joe Burrow is healthy, the offense doesn't need to be all that creative. Joe Burrow will create things in the moment and keep the offense going. Now that he's 100%, The Bengals are going to be in the top 10 before we know it. 
the Bengals are going to be one of the teams vying for that Super Bowl berth if Joe Burrow stays healthy, Miles. Yeah, and look, this is what we should have expected from the Bengals. I mean, last year they started out 0-2 as well. And, you know, Joe Burrow missed most of training camp this time. It was with the calf. Last year was after the appendectomy. And as Joe Burrow gets healthy, as Joe Burrow gets more comfortable, they start to look like the Bengals team that we have seen over the last few years with Joe Burrow as their quarterback. So this is not a surprise to me when they now are four and three. The, uh, the Ravens have been great. All right. And I think the Ravens should still win that division. But I, I can't put it past the Bengals to keep to come up and take it from them. And the part of the issue, too, is is Lamar Jackson going to stay healthy? And I, I hate to say something like that, but we have seen the Ravens be good for most of the season. And then Lamar Jackson gets hurt in December and he misses the last few games. And it's like, man, you want to see Lamar Jackson healthy in January. I hope we get to see that. I hope we get to see those two teams battle it out, you know, toward the end of the year at the top of the division. Cause I think it's going to be those two really vying for it, but you know, I, that's where I'm like, yeah, I, I have a lot of faith in what the Bengals do because they just, they find themselves and they turn it on and they don't really seem to turn it off as they go through the season over the last couple of years. We're going to turn it off for a few seconds. We'll be back to wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Okay, so Josh McDaniels is out as head coach of the Raiders, and I'm already picking up some chatter, and this is mainly from the audience, but I like it because we know Jim Harbaugh is under siege at Michigan, and Harbaugh started his coaching career at the Raiders once upon a time. Would Mark Davis be the one to say the hell with everyone? I'm bringing Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL. At least we know that Jim Harbaugh can be successful at the NFL level. He's done it. He wears on people, but he's done it. Or hell, maybe Mark Davis will turn it back to John Gruden. Could you believe that? Hey, I don't think that'll happen. But I think he'll do something that that we would look at and say, well, that's a Mark Davis move. Speaking of wearing on people, PFT Live. No, PFT, the website, went live 22 years ago today. With all the other stuff going on, I forgot all about it. Happy anniversary to us. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.